The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 20. If you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. You may have guessed that one. Now, that is not as big a secret one as maybe I have shared with you guys in the past. That is one of my all-time favorite people that said that quote, right? That is Mr. John Wooden sometimes known as the Wizard of Westwood and head coach of the UCLA Bruins from 1948 to 1975. Yeah, get that one figured out. His overall record, over 650 wins. But the big thing that I don't know if it will ever be beaten, he won 10, count them, 10 double-digit Division I NCAA basketball tournaments all the way from 1964 to 1975. Now, I mean, who could even imagine that level of success? But the reason that I shared that quote is because, uh, as you may have read in his books, now he's got some amazing books before he passed away at age 99. And by the way, did you know he was a, an All-American basketball player himself all the way back in the 20s, the 1920s at Purdue? And yet, just a few years ago, he was still alive and kicking and giving speeches and, and giving people wisdom, dropping wisdom bombs on them. Yeah, he was a great guy, a great American, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to see him go, but he lived 99 years on this planet, right? Uh, and he had some amazing quotes about time. He's got some great stories. He coached some of the best basketball players of all time. He coached Bill Walton, coached Lou Alcindor. He coached so many, but, you know, I remember a story he told about Bill Walton one time, of course, Bill was considered the best basketball player in the nation. I remember in the Final Four one year, he uh, he shot, I think, 15 of 15 or 16 of 16 to beat the University of Memphis, who was at that time Memphis State, uh, even though Memphis, they played a great game. But, uh, I mean, UCLA was just dominant. He was the best player in the country. And, he, you know, it was in the 70s, and he shows up with the long red hair one year after, after the summer and uh, – you know, he was—he knew that Coach Wooden didn't allow long hair, but he showed up with it anyway. He figures I'm the best player in the country. What's he going to do? Kick me off the team? And you know, uh, uh, Coach Wooden shares the story. He took him aside and said, "Boy, Bill, we're sure going to miss you this year." And uh, he said he got the message pretty quick. Went straight to the barber, got that haircut fixed. But uh, you know, time is an amazing asset. And if you read any of his books, I mean, he's got some. He has this concept called the Pyramid of Success. Uh, it's a great book. I would highly recommend going out and purchasing that book if you have never read it. Uh, if nothing else, it'll just make you a better person having it on your bookshelf, right? Uh, so uh, along with a lot of things, he has a lot of thoughts about how you know staying on time is a very, very important quality for any human being, much less you know a basketball, a basketball coach or, in our case, a dentist. So uh, I thought it was quite appropriate we use that quote before we start this episode because in this episode we're actually going to share like our top top secret of how we always always 
well, you know, not always, not 100%, but we stay on time a whole, whole lot, and we have a very busy practice. We see a lot of patients. If you've ever been down to one of my Navy SEAL days, you've seen us in action, and we stay on time even though we're seeing a very high volume of patients through the practice. So we're going to share all those secrets today, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I enjoy delivering this lecture right? We're going to go over some really awesome stuff, why there's really doctor stress in the office, how to control the schedule, and of course, our big secret to staying on time. So let's go back to Oklahoma City where I was dropping the knowledge on those guys out there. Here we go. So this is a deeper explanation of the board. The board, it allows, you know, it allows me to focus. Like I said, I don't have to think about everything that's going on. I just go priority one, priority one, priority one all day long. That way I'm free to focus all my attention on the next patient that's in the chair. It's very simple, not dependent really on a lot of technology. And when I was doing this, by the way, just, just so you don't think that I'm some sort of caveman clod, I tried a couple, three different softwares, and it just did not work out good on the softwares. And I'll tell you why if you're interested. But it ended up, we ended up just doing sort of old school. We, so we have this board in one place in the office, and there was a picture of it a while ago. Now, I have a video camera that shoots the board image, and so I have a little closed circuit TV feed running all throughout the office. So like here's an example at the front desk. She's got a little bitty monitor that fits under the countertop. It's showing the route board. This is my office, so I can go into my office. You know, I can be at my desk doing whatever, and I can keep an eye on things. So I love to clear off. So one of my favorite things to do all day long is to clear the board, you know. I just zip through it, everything gets erased, so there's nothing on the board. Okay. I mean, it's bad to not be busy, but, every, you know, it doesn't happen very often to me. So I'm like, yay, I'm happy. So I'm going to go to my office for a minute and chill out. But the board's there, so I know when something gets written on the board again, i got to get up, go to that room. So I don't get a ton of time to watch ESPN, but, I, you know, I would like to. Uh, there's one at each end of the hallway, right under the exit signs. I think we have a total of 12. The point is, at anywhere in the office, everybody knows what's going on, and I'm always within two steps of being able to see it, so I know where to go next. Also, if I'm in a room so the staff knows where I'm at, they will actually underline that procedure. So that's something else they do to make sure they know where I'm at. There's a protocol for it. I actually wrote a whole manual for the protocol because it is a little bit tricky to get implemented at first. You really need for every single assistant to know what's going on so every assistant can actually write on it. If every assistant can't write on it, it's really hard to keep the flow going. However, there, does, and there are rules, so these, all the assistants need to know the rules. However, it is also very important that one person's in charge. Okay? If there's not one person in charge, eventually there's going to be a screw-up and people are not going to know what to do. Or let me tell you what always happens. I hate to pick on the hygienist again, but... No matter what the priority list is, the hygienists are so bad at my office and everywhere else, really, to erase the priority and put themselves number one every time. It just happens everywhere I go. So I'm not picking on you guys. You guys are the exception of the rule, like I said. <laughs> but hygienists are really bad about that. Now, I'll tell you how this route board, I'll tell you how it came into being. Years ago, I told you I saw it at Dr. Monticello's office, but I was already searching. Because one of the banes of my existence is when you're working, you know, you're, you're knee deep or elbow deep in blood, 
and you got, you know, you've probably, you've done something bad and you're stressed out and you're sweating and the patient's waking up from being numb and all of a sudden, creeping up out of your peripheral vision, it's like you hear the Jaws music. Da-na, da-na. You, see, you see this hygienist standing there. They won't say anything, but they'll stand there. And you know they're there. And you know they want you to come check their patient so that they can go on about their day, right? And you don't want to block their day up either. It's just, look, this is a really bad time. So we tried to figure out how to solve that. And this played a huge role in solving that problem forever. Okay? So you guys want to hear how it solves the problem? Okay. I'm hoping you hadn't heard this. So, you know, you hadn't heard a lot of the other stuff I've said. So this is, this, you probably hadn't heard this one. Let me ask you hygienists. Well, let me, don't, don't let me not ask you. You won't like, you probably will say something I don't want to hear. But, <laughs> all right. Let's think about, I told you, I can't help it. I can't help it. Um, now, in hygiene school, maybe they teach you something different. Probably do. I mean, they want, the, they want you to get this mouth looking so beautiful and pristine, and then the doctor comes in and it's so beautiful and pristine, he's going to think that you're the most amazing hygienist in the world, which may already think that. But how many things during a hygiene visit are absolutely necessary to be done by the hygienist before the doctor can come in and check the patient? So the call them off. What's got to be done? X-rays. Hard tissue exam, soft tissue exam, okay, yep, right, oh yeah, pair of charting, soft tissue. So let's just say you have an hour, y'all use an hour for an adult, okay, say you got an hour for an adult. How long does it take for you to do x-rays, hard tissue, soft tissue? Well, okay, well, I, we want you guys talking, talk. See, I don't like to... I can't do a lot of production if I'm talking, so I want my staff to just be blabbermouths, right? <laughs> I want them to just talk, 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 talk. That's great. Build those relationships. But let's just say whatever. Typical talker. How long does it take you to do those three things? Let's give you 15. Let's say 15 minutes. It's a one-hour appointment. Now, if the hygienist does those three things in 15 minutes and goes and writes her check on the board... Priority one, whatever, hygiene check, room five. I have got 45 minutes to finish up whatever I'm doing, go check their patient, and leave. I really didn't interrupt their appointment any more than I would have anyway. I didn't interrupt my appointment anymore, and everybody's happy. So I probably, the and the patient never has to wait, which means if the so if the patient doesn't have to wait 10 extra minutes in the hygiene chair, what's that mean to you as a scheduler? You're on time more often. So that's the whole name of the game. And that's what this board right here will do for you. It will solve your problem of hygiene patients running over even a few minutes. I probably have not run over on a hygiene check since we started doing it seven or eight years ago. Because i got 45 minutes built in. What the heck am I going to do in 40? There's not a procedure in my office that takes 45 minutes. Okay? There's nothing going on that's going to take me longer than it would take for me to get in there and check that hygiene. The only procedure in the office that I will get up in the middle of is a root canal because I need a check film for my obturation. Everything else, I just blow through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I give the anesthesia. Yeah, I give the anesthesia, then I'm back out looking at the board headed down the hall. So while it's soaking in, right, 
however many minutes you want to give them. Part of the board, the beauty of the board too, so this is the kind of thing that would be on the board for a crown prep, right? I'm supposed to go in. I know when I see this, I go in. I'm supposed to administer anesthesia, then I'm supposed to walk out. So when I administer anesthesia, they, the, my assistant goes to the board. She erases the word admin. She writes A15. Now there is a rule in this manual, a hard set rule, that no matter what you think should be the next priority, Dr. Griffin has got to be back in this room by 835. We cannot let this patient sit more than 20 minutes before he gets back in there because the septicane is going to wear off on some patients, not all. But let's just be safe. It's just good practice. You don't want to have to be numbing people up more often than they should have to be numbed, right? That's bad doctoring. You don't want to do that. So yeah, there's one of our rules right there. See, so yeah, you leave for the anesthesia, come back, sit down, do the crown prep, leave, and my assistant do my temporary, so I'm out. On a root canal, check film, I come back. A rare exception, you know, if I get one of those rare six to eight unit anterior cases in Ripley, I might occasionally have to get up in the middle and go back, but the only time I ever run into trouble is when there's a lot of bleeding, you know. I mean, there's a lot of bleeding, and not much I can do about that. I've got some cool ways to stop the bleeding, but some people are going to bleed no matter how cool ways you have. Other than that, I blow through the procedure. Now, I was telling somebody, I was telling you at lunch, right? I went down and trained with Scott Perkins, and I mean, I guess you could say I've taught clinical speed and efficiency on procedures since 2008 myself. So there's not many procedures in the office that I can't blow through reasonably fast. You know, it's not rocket science. Use sharp burrs and make sure you're not doing anything dangerous with them and you should be able to get through pretty fast. This is, a, I'm getting off track here, but when I have, when I, I used to, before the fire, I had this really cool ADEC mannequin that you could drill on, you know? And so doctors would always say, or some doctors would say, I want to come down and see, I don't understand how you're doing this crown prep. Now my CIRAC, forget that, There's, it's slow. There's no way to speed that up, <laughs> I can't figure it out. But just a regular old crown prep, temporary, Come back, you know, I can do that. You're talking 20 minutes is about all you would need or all I would need. So there, a doctors would say, I don't get it. I can't figure out how you're doing that. Some doctors like, well, I do my crown preps in five minutes, which is awesome, great. But some doctors just can't figure it out. They're like, oh man, 20 minutes, I don't get it. I take 45, I take an hour. Some doctors take an hour and a half. I, I'm like, I don't even get that, I don't understand it. So I would, I would get them in. I'd say, well, let's just, I mean, let's, we're going we're gonna to fix this up, man. Let's, we're going to improve your speed today. Let's, let's watch you do a crown prep. So we'd get him down on the mannequin, watch him do the, this is one of the guys that took an hour and a half, right? Love the guy. He's from somewhere in Kentucky. I forget the city, but super guy. Sits down. He gets ready. He's, my assistant's helping him, right, so that we know that that part's going to be fast. He gets, his, he gets his high speed revved up, his mirror, and he goes, Zzz. You know, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I've got a system. Like I do my 557s, I go zoop, zoop. Then I change out to this gigantic football, and I just go, and then I refine everything, and I'm out of there, right? Well, he goes, Zzz. and he stops, and I'm, well, what is he doing? And he, uh, and he sits back, puts his high speed down, takes his mirror, cleans it off with gauze, looks at it, Looks at it, like, what the heck? 
You know, picks up his high speed. He goes, zzz, puts it down, cleans his mirror off. Holy cow, that's how you take an hour and a half to do a crown prep. I had no idea. So, yeah, and it turns out as I watch more and more doctors do it, because there's some doctors out there like me, right, I guess, and just zzz and go. I haven't found, I think it's better on the patient really to do it fast. I can't imagine why it would be good to do it slow. But, uh, but then there's a lot of doctors out there who I guess are worried about the angulation of the axial walls or something. I don't know, but I mean, they will stop. This guy stopped 50 times during the procedure on the mannequin. 50 times. I don't know. I just, it's crazy, but he did it. Great guy. Love the guy. But uh, I knew right then and there it was going to be a tough one. Because if you do, he practiced for like 25, 30 years. You do that for 30 years, your brain's locked in. I mean, that's the way you think it is done. Yeah, I mean, there are, situ there are doctors who are slower, and it's not because of the speed of the drill on the tooth. I bet, you, I bet you the drill on the tooth time was about the same. It's just the stopping and starting that takes forever. So yeah, I mean, occasionally, if you're a doctor that stops and starts a lot, you may have to get up in the middle of a procedure and go check hygiene and come back. But, I mean, I personally think it's better just to blow through it. Like I said, there's a whole manual on how to do this. The staff needs to, you know, we like for the staff to read it and then take a test on it and all that jazz. Underlining the procedure on the board, that's how you guys know where I'm at, if anybody would want to know where I'm at. Um, like I said, my team leaders occasionally need to find me so that they can ask me a question. So that's, they just look where the underline is, find the room number, there they go. Now, if you have a small office, you're like, so what? Why would you worry about this? Well, the objective, most doctors' objective is to grow. And eventually, you know, I've got nine ops. I've got a 110-foot-long hallway. Uh, Dr. Ted, 14 ops in a beehive that I just stopped at. Uh, Vince Monticello, 17 ops. I mean, I'm not saying your objective is to get 17 ops. I'm just saying... There will come a day, if you keep growing, that you will have a bigger office, and there's probably, you know, this would be very useful for people to know where you're at. Uh, the things it does for you, organize the flow of the office, doctor focus, which lowers stress, believe it or not. People think it's stressful to have a lot going on at one time at the office. It's not stressful to have a lot going on at one time in the office. It's stressful to have a lot going on at one time in your brain. But with this board, you're only worried about priority number one, and your staff is worried about the other four things, right? Not you. Um, they know where you're at. It gives the scheduler way better control of the situation because if things are running behind, this board instantly tells you, hmm, maybe we shouldn't try to work in these two MODs that just came out of hygiene, right? I know we like to work in dentistry, but maybe today's not the day for this. And, I don't know, how many of you guys write up your own clinical notes and how many have your staff do it? Or who does it themselves? Anybody let the staff do it? And then they just check it? That's funny. Uh, the female doctors in the crowd always like to do their own notes, it seems. And, like, the doc male doctors are half and half. That's generally what I see in a crowd. So, but... But, so what we do a lot of times is we will leave before the procedure gets erased off the board. If you have staff writing it up, they know that they've got to get in there and write the clinical notes so that it can get erased off the board. So that's a little trick. 
Because you know, what you don't want is going through a day with 60 patients and staff just let things roll on to the end of the day and then somebody's trying to remember what happened at 8 o'clock, right? So if you're going to have staff write up notes, it's good to leave the things on the board till it gets written up. Yes, sir. Oh, well, that's a good point. If it's not a doctor procedure, it doesn't go on the board. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I saw that when I went to Vince's office down in Tampa. I saw that, I mean, he even had one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. He had a dedicated op to removable prosthodontics. Now, let me tell you what he did. He had a lab man, a denture lab man he really liked. But here's what he did, this genius, at least you can think about what you could do. So his, he, he already paid his denture lab man, he was his number one account because he had this $3 million practice and he did a lot of dentures because he had an aging demographic. So he's like, hey, would you like to just come work for me full time? And the guy's like, okay. And he said, I'll tell you what, let me send you through dental assistant school to get your prost certificate as a dental assistant. So uh, pretty much... That's it. He didn't have to do diddly squat. He had to come in for the exam, and I guess he had to diagnose the x-ray or whatever. But uh, yes, Vince has an op, and that op is just run by this former dental lab tech who's now a dental assistant in Florida with this PROS certification, and they're just doing denture after denture after denture. So that was about uh, the dentures. Now we're about to have a question about well, why don't you just use software instead of doing the route board the way that you do it with the closed caption TV feed throughout the office? And, uh, you know, I'm about to give a good answer. You know, ultimately, it's a good question. We tried the software, and truly the closed caption works way better, and I'm going to explain why. Well, you can't use, you can't use Evernote. I, I can't imagine how you could use, how could you use Evernote? I mean, well, it updates, but so that was a software we tried. We tried another software, but also on Dentrix, I don't know how you would, I mean, you're talking about just color coding on the schedule? It just doesn't, I just, you just have to take my word for it. It doesn't, you can't, there's no way to easily do a, run an operation like this off that. Now, the downsides of the software. So the software has to run off of some shared program somewhere. And so that means you have to have an actual physical computer everywhere you have some way of displaying it. I mean, I guess you could make the argument you could have a thin computer that was just basically a monitor with a computer in it, but you can, but you're talking about, in my office, 12 places. And so can you imagine, and you know, the building is 5,000, 6,000 square feet on the main floor, so can you imagine running that many of those and all the connections that you're going to have. Well, but there's a big difference in running that kind of wire everywhere and, and running the little uh, RJ, RJ6 cable wires. It's a big difference because you can split those all day long. It really doesn't hurt that much. And plus, on the software, you're dependent on a computer. This closed circuit thing has not screwed up a time in seven or eight years. So we're not dependent on that. And it's so integral to what we do every day, we don't need to be down any with it. Uh, also, well, you know, we tried just running in the ops because we already had computers in all the ops before the fire. But here's what I didn't like about that either. Besides the aggravation of the, you know, it's aggravating to run, update things on computers. Besides that, 
I didn't like my patients being able to see all that was going on because they could see the, the monitors in the ops. I mean, of course, you could have two monitors and one behind them or something. But we tried it all these different ways. But as far as pure speed, this thing right here takes the cake. Pure speed. And that's all I'm interested in. If, it, if, if technology will solve it faster, I'm all for technology. If you've got to go back to the Stone Age to solve it faster, I'll go back to the Stone Age. You know, yeah, I mean, I think if you could figure out some Tony Stark thing that, you know, you just pull up, oh, yeah, I go there, that would be better, yeah. But right now, this thing right here is, is how we've solved it. And all I can tell you is a lot of offices are using it now, and they all love it. Once they start using it, you can't take it away from them. If for no other reason, solving that hygiene problem, that right there, I mean, that, you take that the rest of your career. Not having to wait on a hygienist, making your hygienist mad. It's worth a lot not to make your hygienist mad at you. I can tell you. I rip on them all the time, but not to their face. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing you can do, so, so here's the, here's uh, like this is the closed circuit security camera running into this box. It actually runs into the box. In the box, I've actually got a, a little RF converter that converts it from the video signal out of the camera into the regular cable wire. But you can also, but the problem with this is I like having my board in the sterilization room. We used to have the board in the hall and we used an AV signal sender to send it all throughout the office without wires. And so I like that, okay. But the autoclaves and the cone beam, something about them, they do not like that AV signal and so it wouldn't, it wouldn't go past them. It just would not go past those things. And so the wires solved all that problem for me. Okay, so the doctors. So we finally get down to the doctor's part of the equation. So what do we want? I did a lecture, I don't know, a few years ago about the 12 distinctive differences that I felt like I'd seen between doctors who were really doing well and doctors who were just kind of yeah, disappointed in things and not doing as well as they would like. And so here's the things that I think that, that they all do good. Now I put this picture up here just because I had this drawn out one time for an advertisement and I felt like it was a little bit, and so I wouldn't use it on the advertisement. But I just hate to spend that money on getting it done and not use it for anything. But so it was supposed to be a picture of setting your staff on fire so they would, you know, want to be, work harder and work good for your practice. But uh, it kind of looks like a, you know, it's a bomb, I guess. I don't know. It looks like you'd want to blow them up. Anyway, it didn't work out for the ad, but I just thought I'd put it on here. Uh, delegating things to your staff. That's one of the things that the really, really good dentists do, like you talked about. He, or he said, what do you do on procedures that you're not involved in? Well, you don't put them on the board because you're not involved in it, but it's really good to have a lot of stuff going on in the office that you're not doing, right? That's really good. We talked about the boots on the ground already. I mean, that's, uh, that's something that, you know, if you can force yourself to get, you know, go up and ask questions, get a little bit involved every, every day or every week, just pick different people and go ask them questions, that's really good. Here's one that trips a lot of guys up, deciding things with authority. Now, gosh, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is one, if you could probably, if you could solve this problem, this would solve probably, I'm going to use this as a good opportunity to give this book away. 
Because this right here, if, this one thing would probably solve 80% of your problems. Has any of you guys ever read the book, The 80-20 Principle? Richard Koch. Oh man, it's a good book. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. 80% of your problems come from 20% of the people you deal with. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of other uh, good stuff in here. But, but the point is... If you could solve deciding, being indecisive, it will solve 80% of your problems. I'm almost guaranteed that. Uh, here's the board in action. And there, she was a great dental assistant. You know what always irks me is that, you know, when somebody like her who's so great decides she wants to better herself and change careers, man, that's awful. But uh, she actually went back to college, and uh, now she's a teacher got a master's and all this stuff. So I'm really proud that she's done so good, but boy, I hated to lose her. I hated to lose her. She was really good. Um, but there's, you know, there's the board in action. Helps, helps all doctors focus, I think. That's, that's good. We talked about guarding your time. I think guarding your time, we all, all the really good ones guard their time. We talked about not taking vacation every day of the week. That's what the good ones do. They force themselves to be very productive during the allotted time that they want to be at the office. And then that gives them the freedom to do what they want to do when they're not at the office. Implement systems. So I'm a big systems guy. Um, we used to do this for our coaching clients is we would build them what we called the big red book of systems. And so everything in the office would have a system. I mean, from answering the phone to you know, the proper way to take out the trash, to the proper way to sterilize something, to the proper way to do a checklist. Everything was a system. And so there's systems for every single thing you can do in your practice. Now that's one of those, we talked about the painful stuff of being excellent. It's a little bit painful to do a system for something. It takes a little time. You just want to go in, see the patients and leave. But I promise you, if you will spend some time developing systems on the front end, that is something you will actually reap the rest of your whole career. Define job descriptions. We talked about that earlier. The best ones all have good job descriptions for their staff. Why not? If you don't have it, you have duplication. The duplication kills you. Team interaction. You know, you've got to have a staff that likes each other, because if you don't, you won't have good interaction. So this is two of my employees. Uh, another good one I lost. Tamiki there, this, she's doing the finances. She actually moved to Dallas, and uh, she's now like a, a she has a, a what the, the fitness places. Oh, she has one of these little fitness gyms in Dallas. And I uh, hate to see her go. She was great too, man. I tell you, I train these, these ladies up, and next thing you know, they're like, man, I got to go to the big city. Now, what is up with this? Uh, but you got to have really good team interaction, measuring things, okay? Let's set a goal, and let's make sure that we measure to see how we're doing toward this goal. Let's see if we hit it or not. Heck, if we hit our goal, if it's a big enough goal, let's take a trip, you know? I told you I sent my staff on a cruise to Cozumel. One year, uh, they hit a big goal. I sent everybody to New York for a Broadway show. Found out that those, that is expensive. <laughs> You know, it sounded really good when I didn't think we were going to hit the goal, like, in July. <laughs> and then, wow, they really wanted to go to that Broadway show, didn't they? 
So it was, you know, anyway. And then they got home and they fussed about how small the hotel rooms were. You believe that? Hotel room, $400 a night. And they said, that thing was like a cracker box. It was like a twin bed. And we had to share a twin bed. So, so I don't know. Uh, I've never been to New York City. So I, I wouldn't know. You guys all been to New York? Most of you? No desire to go there. Zero. They would laugh me out of that place. The least well-received lecture I ever did was in Baltimore, Maryland. I, you know, Maryland, theoretically, is still in the South, but it's just theoretical. It's really, it's, it's not in the South. It's not. They, immediately, they, heard me, they heard me start talking, and they were like, yep, tune out. They thought, well, this, who is this redneck idiot? Oh, ask questions. This is a good one. So the best ones out there, they always ask questions. Because if you don't ask a question, how could you ever possibly come up with a solution, Right? There's no way. If you just let things continue to roll every single day and you never question why is something in the way it is, never going to change. It's impossible. So you got to ask questions. you got to be thoughtful. And in the spirit of that, hey, if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask them. We've been answering questions uh, left and right that have been coming in through the support area of the website at drchrisgriffin.com. We love answering questions. I love answering questions. I view that as my opportunity to fix a problem or, or you know, solve something that exists for other people that maybe I've had the experience. Listen, if it seems like I know what I'm doing, it's only because I've made every single mistake you can make from breaking off a, a molar, the first tooth I ever tried to extract back in 1996, to... Uh, Whatever you can imagine, I make mistakes every single day of my, of my life, and we try to learn from them and get better every single time. So ask those questions, and that's the only way you can get better. So thanks again, everybody, for ha- for paying such close attention. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate all the, the comments and the reviews and uh, just plain old feedback. You know, if I'm doing something that you don't like, tell me so I can fix it. If I'm doing something you do like, tell me that too. It encourages me, right? It's you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to make yourself want to do one of these episodes every week, but I you know, the feedback is what keeps you going. So thanks everybody for all that great stuff. We really enjoyed it and we're getting close to the end of season 1. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be just yet, but it's going it's not too many more. Like we're probably down to counting it on one hand or less. And then we're going to take a little break for the summer. But uh I hope you guys are enjoying what you're getting. Like I said, keep in touch, and we will see you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of The Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice so when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in. Always in.